For our first show of the 2024 uh, New Year, we're talking with Blair Horner, Executive Director of NYPIRG, New York Public Interest Research Group. And there were a couple of uh, interesting developments. Uh, recently, we thought we'd talk to Blair about some involvement in campaign finance and some about the uh, redistricting issue for congressional seats. But uh, Blair, the uh, governor, Governor Hochul, uh, actually vetoed the changes that the legislature uh, had made to the uh, upcoming uh, campaign finance rules, uh, which was something that the good government groups had, I guess, urged the uh, governor to do. So, so what exactly did the uh, governor do and why was that important? Well, you're right, Mark, and Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Um, so the governor vetoed legislation that was cobbled together in secret and passed at the end of the 2023 session. Anytime anything like that happens, you sort of pay attention because usually when things are being hammered in, together in secret and then moved at the end of session with very little public discussion, you know, there is a sort of a stench that sometimes can come up from that. In this case, this was a a bill that was uh, that would, if, if it had become law, would have made uh, significant changes to the the state's public financing system, and just as your listeners is backdrop backdrop, and uh, twenty twenty, uh, a new law was passed that set up a voluntary system of public financing, uh, similar to what New York City has, uh, to to allow candidates running for office to get public matching funds if they focused on raising money from small donors. And so the passed in 2020 went into effect the day after the 2022 election. And without any public hearings uh, or any meaningful public discussion or complaint, uh, this bill was cobbled together, as I mentioned, in, in both houses. And it would have increased, for example, uh, the amount of donations that candidates would have to raise within a particular district if they're running for the assembly uh, or for the Senate. Uh, there's another provision that's different in the current law from New York City, which uh, allows for bigger, uh, uh, more use of public resources in low-income districts. And again, they raised the monetary threshold in, in that section as well. So the sort of the basis of it was to um, make it more difficult, primarily for challengers, uh, to qualify by raising the minimum thresholds for the, by the by the amount of money that would have to be raised within a district, or by the number of the uh, number of the amount of donors in a district for anyone to qualify for the program, so the secrecy in negotiation, the raising the thresholds, the allowance for matching, uh, no matter what the size of the campaign contribution, uh, all of those things we thought were negatives, and uh, Governor Hochul agreed and vetoed the legislation. Now, can is there any indication the legislature will try to? You know, amend the law again, or this more likely to be we try, we failed, we'll live with what the system says is supposed to happen. Yeah, I mean, you, you would think that there would be another attempt. Uh, we're certainly on wartime footing for this. Um, you know, they're trying to change the system before it even happened, right? So there's no evidence that there's a problem. Uh, so that makes us nervous. But these kind of bills don't pass at the end of session uh, unless the leadership wanted it to happen. Uh, and when both houses of the legislature want something to happen, uh, then they may, they'll probably want to push it again. And something like this could, you know, be easily contained in the budget. Now, whether or not the governor agrees to it or anything like that, I mean, who knows, right? But 
the fact that they are, you know, that they were proposing significant changes to the public finance system, the, you know, newborn system that hasn't really done anything yet other than uh, is an indication. I think that there will be more efforts uh, like this to come. And of course, when you mentioned the possibility put in the budget, which, you know, technically supposed to somewhat be adopted by April 1st, um, gives more opportunity for horse trade-ins. So say if the governor's a little frustrated with the lack of progress on her affordable housing programs, that might be something that she could trade in exchange for campaign finance uh, changes or something. Um, is there any indication at this point, um, you know, the system hasn't kicked in yet, but uh, is this leading to, you know, more people deciding to run, you know, for the state uh, legislature, particularly, you know, from more non-traditional, um, you know, pull of candidates? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea, I mean, the, this program is not without flaw. Let me just say that right away. I mean, it instead of just, you know, expanding the New York City program, which is road tested uh, to the entire state, they, you know, they, this effort sort of came up with its own system, right? And so anytime you have a new system that's not road tested, there will be problems. So I don't think that there's an issue that, that people, you know, reasonable people couldn't look at this and say things need to be improved. But raising the minimum thresholds, of course, is a way to keep challengers, make it harder for challengers to get on the ballot. Uh, but your your point before about that this allowing for public resources to match small donations um, uh, and make it makes it easier for people who don't have a network of wealthy donors uh, or interest groups uh, to run for office. I think it's right, and I, I and I think that's what we want, right? I mean, one of the reasons you recreate a system of public financing, a voluntary system of public financing, is to give non traditional candidates a chance to make a run for it. That doesn't guarantee that they'll win or that they'll outspend their opponents, but at least they have a shot. Now, one of the issues we had taught you a month or two ago um, was that the uh, Court of Appeals, state's highest courts in a split decision, had uh, decided that the independent, so-called independent redistricting commission would be given another shot at uh, redrawing the lines for for Congress, which um, last time had been actually drawn by uh, a, a lower court, and the Democrats who had expected to pick up you know four or five seats uh, did quite poorly, and actually was a big factor in uh, Congress being now controlled by the Republicans. Uh, the Independent Redistricting Commission did apparently recently meet meet and it didn't seem you know at least from the media reports that they were really thinking about wholesale changes that you know might do some tweaks here and there with what the court had previously ordered but not quite the radical changes that the democrats were looking at um how is that process going to work out at this point well you're, you're right i mean the state's top court says that the so-called independent redistricting commission could get another bite at the apple so that's they, they met this week. Um, it was, by all indications, at least from the verbal presentation, I mean, the meeting itself was over in two minutes. Uh, I was surprised at how short it was. But after the meeting and the sort of the press scrum that was happening, uh, the Republican Democratic leaders of the commission basically made it appear uh, that they were going to try to come up with new uh, a, a map that more or less matches the status quo. 
I mean, from the Republicans' perspective, they will challenge any wholesale changes, of course. The Democrats have an advantage in the sense they have supermajorities in both houses of the legislature and a Democratic governor. And so, you know, is there a way to thread the needle between their two interests? Maybe. Uh, on the other hand, if you're one of these Republicans who won by, you know, a razor thin majority in 22 going into a presidential election, uh, any changes uh, to districts in Nassau County, the Hudson Valley or Syracuse could make the difference. So I don't know how they're going to work it out. I mean, but their, their public statements, you're quite right, were that they were going to try to find some sort of kumbaya moment where both parties could agree. And I think the institutional interest was that um, uh, they wanted the court at least to agree that the legislature, well, the, the independent commission, um, would have uh, authority even if the court stepped in. So that sets precedent for the future. And that may be all the Democrats really wanted out of this, feeling feel, they're probably feeling their oats uh, with a, a presidential at the top of the ticket that their voters will show up in 24, which they, this year, which they did not do in 2022. That's the reason why the Democrats could have had a majority in the House of Representatives and didn't. Can can the legislature actually then do major changes if the district commission, district and commission actually agrees on something? And the, the way the, the state constitution process works, and we put that with air quotes because we don't think it does, but this independent redistricting commission gets two opportunities to advance maps of their own. And if they, and then the legislature has the final responsibility to approve the legislature votes that down, then the legislature draws the lines, not the commission. We're talking to Blair Horner, Nyperg, uh, Nyperg.org, and this has been Mark Dunlay for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.